You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. We are starting a new series uh, this January called Happy. If you've been to a New Year's party, whether you were there last night or any December 31st that you've spent together with family or friends or loved ones or spouses, since we've had babies, our New Year's Day are typically at the house. Hush, hush, because we don't want to wake up the babies, right? Uh, so we've, we've spent it that way in the past five years, six years, five years. But it's typically when, when the countdown goes and then you go like 10, 9, 8, 7, if you watch the ball drop, you're excited, and then the new year arrives, and what do you say? Happy New Year. You encounter somebody. You hug them, and you say, Happy New Year. And then you go to bed. You go back home, and then you wake up the next day, and it's another day. So we actually want to take some time to talk about how to have a happy new year, right? How, what are some of the things that we can practice, that we can do? What are some of the principles that we learn from Scripture that can help us have a year where your joy is not stolen by anything. Now, if you're here today, uh, and Alina mentioned being a lists person, but whether you're a lists person, whether you actually write it down or not, there are at least a couple things that you want to see happen this year. You have at least a couple things in your, in your plan for 2017 that you might want to see happen. Maybe you want to eat healthier this year. Maybe you want to... You wanna, Consume less fried foods and you want to eat more greens. Eat foods that are alive, vegetables, fruits. That's a good thing. Maybe you want to start a new financial plan where you want to build up your savings. Or maybe you have some debt you want to cut down. You want to see that decrease or maybe eliminate that in 2017. That's a good thing. Maybe you want to exercise a little bit more. Or maybe you decided that 2017 is the year where you're going to watch less TV and read more. Power of suggestion here, people. <laughs> or maybe, you know, you, you've been feeling God calling you up higher, making, to make better decisions, to live your life in a different way, to show uh, love, to show kindness, to treat people at work differently. And that's all good. And let me be the first person to tell you here today, the top of the year, do that. Go for it. Make your lists. Make your plans. Write down what you want to do. Make a plan for it and become better. Invest in yourself. Grow in your relationship with God. Become all that God has called you to be. But typically, what gets us off track, typically what has the potential to attack our joy, are not the things that we plan, are not the things on a paper or on a list, are not the desires that we have, whether we realize them or not, whether we make it happen or not, whether we achieve them or not, whether you actually follow through with your workout plan through December or you stop in March. Those are not the things that have the potential or the most potential to steal our joy. The things that have the most potential to steal your joy are the unplanned events, the things that surprise you, the things that come along the way, and mess up your schedule, and mess up your routine, and mess up your plan. Those things where you were, you were in a good groove, 
you were on track, and then something happened. Maybe it's a deadline at the office that you have to work late for two weeks straight, and there goes your workout routine, and it's gone. Or maybe a, a relationship goes sour, and some of the plans that you had for that year are now gone, and with it goes your joy. If you, if you can think back on past years where you started with hope, you started believing for things, you had things on your list, and you got to the middle of the year or maybe the fall, and you didn't have that spark, you didn't have that joy anymore, you can probably pinpoint the moment where an unexpected event, something that you had not planned, happened and came and stole your joy. Now today I want to encourage you to look at trials, to look at challenges, to look at those unexpected things in a different light. Because there is a different way to look at it and there is a different way to face them. A way that is not going to allow you to let go of your joy or let go of your happiness along with it. There is a fallacy in our culture. There is a gravitational pull in our culture that is actually a misguided idea or a misguided perspective in life. And it's this idea, because we live in a capitalist society, because we live in a customer service driven society, we are told constantly that easy is better. That if you have it easy, you have a better life. Because you have companies, you have service people coming at you from all directions saying, hey, let me do that for you, for a fee. Let me do that for you. And your life will be better if you're not handling this situation, if you're not experiencing it, if you're not going through it. I'll, I'll take care of that trouble for you. And what that can do, not to speak against any service that you might have or anything, that's not the point. What that can do, that can bleed into your belief system. That can bleed even into your theology, and that's the problem. If that bleeds into your belief system and your theology, you can develop an idea, and you can begin to think that God is there as a master customer service department for you to make sure that all obstacles are out of the way, all trials are out of the way, or tests are, all tests are out of the way. And if, unless you're living a life that is test-free, Unless you're living a life that is trial-free, you must not be on the right path. And that's not right. That's wrong. Let me put you at ease. If you have been going through something in 2016, and you're still dealing with it right now, today, and you're like thinking, I wish that was over. I wish that was long gone, but I'm still dealing with it. A challenge, a trial, is not evidence of a wrong path. Going through challenges and going through trials does not mean that you make a, made a bad decision or that you are in the wrong path. Now, it is true that bad decisions and, and bad circumstances in life bring along a, a, a set of bad challenges. They bring along a set of bad situations with it. But challenges and trials are a part of life, whether you're in the wrong path or whether you're in the right path. And for some of you, what you have on your list for 2017 will actually bring you more tests. For some of you, some of the things that you want to see happen will actually bring more challenges. 
whether you want to start a business or you whether you want to start something new, whether you want to achieve something in your studies or you want to begin a new relationship, those things will bring challenges along with it. And if we have the mindset that challenges in our path mean that we are on the wrong path, we are destined to live conflicted and our joy will not be complete. We will not live in joy. This is what the Apostle James tried to explain to the church in, in, in this passage. In James 1, chapter 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, I've heard this passage quoted. You can leave it up there, uh, Sarah, for a little bit. I've heard this passage quoted in a, in a way that is almost like an attempt to ward off bad feelings. And if you're not a Christian and you're here in the room, you might think this is a little bit off, a little bit out there. But if you're a Christian, you probably heard somebody quote this passage in this context. Oh, I, I just lost my job. Yeah, it was hard. It was difficult. But hey, count it all joy. Consider it pure joy. Oh, I had, I had a really hard argument with my family member. I, I had a bad argument with my dad or with my mom. We're not speaking at all. But hey, count it all joy. Consider it pure joy. Or man, I missed that deadline at work. I really should have been better at it. I should have paid attention to it, but count it all joy, right? And this is not exactly what James is trying to tell us here, because if we look at it that way, this is a passage that we actually will make every effort to avoid quoting. This is a passage that will make every effort to avoid living, when in fact, it's probably one of the passages in, in the scriptures that we live the most. Because what James is actually saying is, listen to you and I here. Listen, John, Mark, Mary, Susie, JD, Alini, Dan, Jackie, everybody. When you go through trials, whenever you go through trials, not if, not if you have trials, when, because this is one of the main certainties in life. You will have trials. You will have challenges. And my desire, our desire, is that in 2017, whatever you set out to do, that no challenge will steal your joy. No challenge will steal your resolve. And that you may go through them the best way possible. Because I hope I'm not putting a damper on your plans here, but... 2017 will have its set of challenges. That's for sure. And what James is telling us is when you have challenge, challenges, consider it pure joy. Why? Not because of the challenge itself. Not because of what the challenge is causing you. But because the challenge of many kinds, all kinds of challenge, they bring within an opportunity. Which means this. Whether you will face a challenge that is designed to make you fail. Whether you face a challenge that is evil, a challenge that is designed to knock you down, 
Or you were facing, you're facing a test. Something that is designed to make you stronger. Something that's actually going to improve you. In both occasions, there's an opportunity for growth. In both occasions, there, there's an opportunity for maturity. And the first step that that trial can cause you to grow in, the first thing that that trial can mature you in, is your perseverance. And he starts with that word, perseverance, which is very important. Now, if maturity comes when you are tested, if growth comes through tests, through challenges, then we have to change our perspective in how we see them. We have to change our mindset in how we see challenges and tests when we face them. The first thing that people typically think is that unless my life is growing into comfort, then my expectations are not aligned with my life is not getting better, basically. But here's, here's what some of you may have faced. Maybe you prayed for an open door. Maybe you believed and you were hoping that God would express his favor in an easy way. You were hoping that God would express his favor with a handout. But instead, when you prayed for that door, what God sent you was some wood and hammer and a pair of nails. And he kindly said, I'm going to teach you to build your own door. How about that? And you felt like you got the short end of the stick. Why am I praying for favor and getting challenges? Why am I praying for favor and getting tests? Because that's how we grow. That's how we achieve maturity. And some of you, you have allowed that test, that challenge to cause you to lose your joy. And I, I'm here to encourage you. Whatever you face this year, whatever you may, you may face across your, your wonderful plans and across the promises of God for your life, do not let it steal your joy. But hold on to joy because God can transform and turn everything for good and for your good. Now, I think there's a piece of, of, of that passage where he, he, he insists. It's almost like he says, listen. This is why you need to count it joy. Because trials and tests will produce perseverance. Now, there's something you and I need to do. We need to let perseverance finish its work. And here is something that a lot of us face sometimes because sometimes we quit too soon. And I've seen people do that again and again. In fact, just to be honest with you, this is one of my greatest fears. Growing up, when I was like in my teen years... I had people around me, older people, that I looked up to. And I was like, that person, that guy is going to change the world. That person is going to go so far. But they never let perseverance finish its work. And I would see them try and quit, try and quit, try and quit. And that just developed a desire for resilience in my heart. Like, I'm not going to live, live my life like that. I'm not going to start something and quit. I'm not going to receive a direction from God or receive something from my life and just let it go. I'm going to stick through it. That's why Alini and I are here. And it doesn't matter. If, if an angel himself comes and tells us 
this is, this, you guys have to move on. Maybe we'll consider it. But we're going to see this church affect this community. We're going to see Connect Community impact this city and this region because we will let Perseverance finish its work right here in Connecticut. And my encouragement for you is to do that. Allow perseverance to finish its work in you because God is doing something in your life, regardless of what's around you, regardless of what you're facing, regardless of the circumstance. God is doing a work in you. He is preparing you for the next level. Now, have you ever taken a test where you're well prepared? There's nothing like being tested when you're prepared. I've had a couple of occasions, a few occasions, where I felt like I'm good for it. I'm going to go take this test. And some of you know I, I didn't grow, I, didn't, I wasn't born in this country. I didn't grow up in this country. I was born in South America, in Brazil. But when we, hey, <laughs> that's Dan over there. And when, when we moved to Houston, Texas, you know, it takes, it takes five years for you to be eligible for citizenship. And when I became eligible, I applied, and I was so excited. I got my, my uh, scheduled time. I arrived at the government building about an hour early because Texas traffic is horrible, Houston especially. So I'm there excited, and I'm prepared. They sent me a, a booklet to study. You have to take a test when you become a citizen. Some of you don't know because you don't have to, right? <laughs> but you have to take a test. You have to study a booklet about this, this big. And there's 100 questions that you need to, to study on American history and government. It's a civics test. And I'm excited. I'm like, I got this thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ace this whole thing. I'm sitting at the lobby and waiting for my name to be called. Finally, my name is called. An officer comes out, super nice, invites me into his office. It's a huge government building. He's down the hall to the left, I remember. I get into his office, and he has... Lots of, of mementos or memorabilia from the time he was in the army. He was a veteran. So I looked at it, and I just had this sense of, man, this, this is an important day. This is an important uh, moment right now. And I thanked him for his service, and he asked me to sit down. And then he started to explain to me what that test meant. Now, I need to tell you this. I, I love this country. I do. And it has no bearing on what I feel for my home country. I love the place I grew up in. I had a very blessed childhood. My parents are amazing. I grew up 30 minutes from 40 beaches, and, I, and we had an ice cream factory attached to our house. So how much better can you get for a kid? But when we moved, I just felt my heart really attaching to this country, and, and I've adopted as my own. I love, love, love this country. So that test was more than simply a clerical thing. This, this was part of God's plan for our lives, right? We didn't know we would be here when I took the test. But we were already involved in the ministry. We were already pouring out into our local community. And I knew that that had a, a purpose. That was connected to God's purpose for my life. So I'm sitting there, and I have this amazing sense of completion in my heart like this test once I pass this test I'm going to get to the next level so he begins to explain listen this test does not make you a citizen but you cannot be a citizen without this test once you pass this test and I hope you do you will be eligible to go before a judge pledge allegiance to the United States of America pledge allegiance to the flag and you will become a citizen the moment the judge declares you a citizen, at that very moment, not when you get your certificate, 
Not when you go pose for picture. At the moment he declares it, you are a citizen. And you are a citizen just like myself. You're a citizen just like anybody else. The only thing you can't do is run for president. But everything else, you are the same. And nobody can revoke this citizenship but you. And I was like, wow. Now bring it on, man. Because I'm going to ace this thing. There's nothing better than taking a test when you're prepared. And so he, the tests involved three parts. One is I had to read a paragraph in English out loud, and I did. I had to write down a sentence, uh, and I did, did well. And then there was a questionnaire, a 10-question questionnaire that I thought would be written down, maybe multiple choice, right? One can hope. But no, it was oral. He was going to ask me the questions, and I had to answer. So out of, that, out of those 100 questions I studied, he started. Question number one, I got it. Question number two, I got it. Question number three, I got it. And I'm like, yeah. Question number four, I got it. Question number five, I'm like, oh. And he had told me, all you need to do is get 60% of the test right. If you get four of them wrong, you, you can still pass. So take it easy. So I'm like on the fifth question, and I'm like, five more to go. I'm going to ace this whole thing. He asks me the sixth question. I get it right. He stands up. And gives me his hand and says, welcome to the United States of America. Congratulations on your citizenship. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. But part of me is like, I was prepared for all ten, man. <laughs> what were the next four? <laughs> but that's besides the point. Here's my point with this story for you. Whatever you're going through, whatever you are facing, this test is not a testament of where you are. The test you will face in 2017 is a testament of where you're going. There are promises ahead of you. There are things, places that God wants to take you. There are new levels of blessing, new levels of understanding, new levels that God wants to take you. And the way you get promoted is by being tested. So next time you face a test, you say, yes, that means I'm being promoted. That means God is taking me to the next level. Now, we have to allow those situations to grow us and to mature us. And that's the last thing. Because once you are mature, once you reach that level of maturity, the scripture says that we will lack nothing. We will be complete. And my heart for you is that you may lead a life where you don't feel like there's something missing on the inside. You don't wake up in the morning with that sense that, man, there's something missing in my life, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but that you may live a life that is complete, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what you face this year, that you may live a life that is complete. And because your life is complete, because you have found growth, you're happy. You have joy on the inside, a kind of joy that cannot be stolen. Now, there's a passage that I want to finish with. When you stay joyful, when you persevere, when you allow perseverance to finish its work, and we, when you allow yourself to grow to the point of completion, meaning you don't feel like you need anything else, you are lacking nothing, you are complete. You're still pressing on toward the purpose that God has for you. You're still achieving. You're still progressing. Because that's part of life, right? We need progress to feel joyful. We need progress to have a sense of, of happiness in our lives. But once you've gotten there, 
it, it doesn't matter what you face. You will know what to do in the hardest of circumstances. And there is a passage in Scripture found in Acts 16. Where Paul and Silas, these are two missionaries. They're in Macedonia. And they are there because God called them there. They are there because God told them to go to Macedonia and to preach the good news to the Macedonians. So they are there. And they are going to this place of prayer daily. But when they, on the way to the place of prayer, there is this slave girl. That scripture says that she had a spirit of divination. And when she saw them, she started shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept repeating that day after day after day after day after day. And it started sounding not like a blessing, but it started bothering uh, Paul. Scripture says that Paul was annoyed at her. Another translation says that he was vexed. He was just annoyed. So he commanded that spirit to leave her. Now her owners, she was a slave. She had owners. They made a lot of money because of her divination. And they lost all that income. And Paul and Silas could deal with the devil. But they couldn't deal with two people with a bad agenda. So they grabbed a hold of them, took him to the authorities and said, These Jews, these Jews are disturbing our city and they're advocating customs that we Romans should not practice. And so a mob was formed and they started beating them down and ripped their clothes off. And the authority person, the magistrate said, throw them in the dungeon and keep them safely. So the jailer took him to the inner dungeon, the, the deepest part of the, of the jail, and put chains on their feet. And what would you do if you faced that kind of injustice? What would you do if you were if you encountered that kind of unexpected trial, that kind of unexpected difficulty, it's very unlikely that you will face something that physical and that unjust here in Connecticut, United States. But in your emotions, maybe you have faced that in the past. Betrayal, somebody just did you wrong. They were bad to you and they had no reason to because you were just doing the right thing. That's what happened to them. They were just obeying God. They were trying to bring people into the knowledge of God. They were speaking the good news and they were going to the temple to pray every day. And what Paul did was free that woman from that spirit. Now what's the harm in that? What's the wrong? No, there's no wrong in what he did. And they suffered badly. Now they could throw a pity party and think, God is not for me. I'm not on the right path. I must have heard something wrong. Like, I, it wasn't God who sent me here. How could have God let this happen? But no, they didn't do that. Here's what they did. Acts 16, 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. In jail, 
chained, they started singing hymns to God. Now, this is somebody who allowed perseverance to finish its work. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here. And had the opportunity to go, but they didn't break the law. They stayed. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour, in the middle of the night, even in that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. What a turn of events. And it started with two people who were badly injusticed but didn't allow that injustice to steal their joy. Didn't allow that injustice to take them off track. But they allowed the perseverance to finish its work in their hearts and to take him to a life that is complete. I'm in, dun in the dungeon with chains in my legs. But guess what? I still have a God who is above it all. Now here's something that Maybe you need to write this down. Maybe you need to put it on your mirror. Maybe you need to put this on your, on your screen, on your phone screen. Or, and this is something that you, you will need to remember this year when you face trials. When you can't change your circumstance, change your attitude. When you cannot change what you are facing, change your attitude. There is no use for you to go through life feeling defeated, feeling like you are at a loss, feeling like you are alone because you are not. God is with you. Now we started the service saying that this would be the year of a miracle, the year of miracles. And I really want you to believe that maybe you've been claiming something and maybe only an intervention from God can make that thing happen. Maybe you are believing for something in your life or for a loved one that you want to see happen so badly, but it takes a miracle. Let me encourage you with this passage. Persevere. Allow perseverance to finish its work so that you may be complete. And hold on to your joy. Because when you do that, the way you react to the difficulties will determine whether you will see a miracle or not. Notice in Paul and Silas's life, the man who was in charge of keeping them in jail was the one shortly after cleaning their wounds. And maybe you have suffered injustice. Or maybe you will face things this year that 
will cause you to feel like you've been betrayed or you feel like someone will be holding you down captive if you have the right attitude, if you allow perseverance to finish its work, and if you hold on to joy and you trust in God, who knows? Maybe that same person will be the one that God will use to heal your wounds. We don't know. But we know this, that when we trust God, he is faithful to bring our dreams and to make him come to pass.